Hey friends, welcome to episode 166 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker, and I'm so glad you're here today. My guest is Jancy Dunn. She is an author, and we are going to get into some real talk about being married and married life after having kids. Yay, it's going to be good. But first, I want to tell you guys about my pants. That's right. I want you to get into my jeans. That is because if you've been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about Democracy Clothing and their Ab Solution jeans. Here's the deal. They have that no gap waistband. And if you have a big booty like I do, and you hate that separation between your back and your butt and that big gap around your jeans, well, that doesn't exist with Absolution. There's also slimming mesh panels. They have a booty lift built into the jeans. And they also have this beautiful sculpt sculpting words. Hello. Sculpting stretch fabric. You guys are going to want to check these out. I wear them um, every week. I have a couple of pairs now and I'm wearing one of one or one of the pairs that I have like every day, every week um, when I'm not in my sweatpants, basically. Um, but I want you guys to check it out. Go to democracyclothing.com. They are available online uh, on democracyclothing.com or on Amazon. You can also buy them in stores like at Dillard's or Belk or Lord and Taylor. These uh, jeans seriously will change your life. They're so comfortable. I love them and they make my butt look amazing. <laughs> Go right now. Check it out. Democracyclothing.com. All right, guys, you ready for this episode? Here we go. Hello, Mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey friends, I'm so excited that you're here for this episode. It's a good one. We are deep diving into some pretty juicy topics about being married and especially being married after kids. Uh, For those of you who have kids or who have been married for a long time or even a short time, you know, um, it can monumentally shift your relationship in good ways and bad ways. Um, But one thing's for sure, it definitely does shift uh, your life a little bit. My guest is author Jancy Dunn. She has written for the New York Times, Parents, Vogue, Travel and Leisure, and Washington Post. And she's also a New York Times bestselling author. And she's going to talk to us about her new book, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a little bit of real talk about that. Some of you may like it and some of you may not. But either way, it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. If you love what we're talking about, that's fine. And if you don't, that's okay. That's your prerogative. It's the beauty of uh, the podcast. Um, How are you, friends? I've missed you. I hope you're doing well. It's been a um, very busy couple of weeks. As you know, I wrapped up uh, award season with uh, work at NBCLA. And that's such a, you know, when they talk about the kickoff of award season, which usually happens around September, Um, with the Emmys. And then it's just uh, ramps up until the Oscars in February, every few weeks, and sometimes every week, uh, leading up to the Oscars, there is some kind of awards ceremony going on. I don't, I'm not physically able to cover them all because I'm just one person. And I basically am one person in an entire department of entertainment at NBCLA. So it's a lot, it's a lot to do. And it's overwhelming. 
so I kind of pick or choose and I, and pick and choose. And, and anyway, so this award season is over. I've been, um, taking a little bit of time to decompress and refocus on other things. Cause I'm actually leaving next week to go to Utah for a few days. I am going to be the keynote speaker at a women in business conference there, women's business conference. And I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm like, they're, <laughs> they're so sweet. They're like, Heather, we love you. We want you to come and share your like expertise and how you built your business and that sort of thing. And to be honest, um, there's times when I'm like, I don't know how I did it. Um, so I've been doing a lot of like self-reflection and analyzation lady lately to figure out how can I impart what I've learned in a truthful way, um, with everybody so that they can, use some of it for themselves and like hopefully take something back to, um, to their home and, and use a little bit of, of what I've shared. But I also just feel like, you know, maybe it's my own insecurities, but I always just feel like epically unqualified to talk about anything <laughs> ever. Why I have a podcast, I don't know. Maybe because I, I know why I started it myself and I run it myself. Um, but anyway, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a really fun time. And um, then when I come back, you guys, it's full steam ahead into Channing's sixth birthday party. I am currently on the hunt, hunt for um, kittens. Channing wants kittens um, and she's asked for another cat. But what I thought I would do instead is see if there's any rescue groups or anybody um, who can bring kittens uh, like over to do just like maybe a kitten cuddle party. Uh, my friend Aaron at Work Kids Wine suggested a kitten cuddle party. And I'm like, do, do they do that? Does somebody do that? So I'm investigating. Um, I'm just a little worried that she's going to want to keep them all if I bring over a litter of kittens. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking into fun little, uh, birthday party ideas. So let me know if you guys have any ideas that might involve kittens or cats or, you know, something that six-year-old, uh, would do. So what's happening? Oh, there's, uh, the premiere of Shazam coming up. The Captain Marvel premiere is happening. Just a lot of wonderful things in the entertainment world. Uh, but I'm really focusing my efforts and kind of refocusing a little bit, um, on Channing right now, because I feel like I've been so busy with work the first few months of this year, that I'm, I need to help. I need to refocus myself on the parenting side of my life. I want to help her with her reading. She's doing so great with her reading. And, um, I found a yoga place. I'm so excited. I found a kid's yoga place that I'm going to start taking her to. I think she's really going to love that. Um, so good things are happening and I hope good things are happening for you all as well. And I'm really excited to share this interview with you today. So sit back, um, relax, listen, enjoy my interview with author Jancy Dunn. All right, you guys, we are going to do some deep diving here with a New York Times bestselling author. Please welcome Jancy Dunn to the show. Hi, how are you? Hello, doing great. Glad to be here. I just did that introduction like I had a live audience. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, I just like clap everybody, but I'm in my mind, they're all in their cars or at the gym right now clapping for you. So that's good. <laughs> and in my mind, I was walking out to sit down in a chair and I was hey, waving to everyone great. at the audience. Yeah. You know I'm going to mentally manifest that that's going to happen with this show. Um, but I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad we connected because you um are very funny and you've written some very funny books 
And um, you have a very honest and real perspective on marriage, on parenting. Um, and just to remind everybody, she has written for the New York Times, Parents, Vogue, Travel and Leisure, and the Washington Post, as well as you have six of your own books. Is that right? Yes, I, I've been I've been cranking it out. Yeah, Heather. good for you. <laughs> My goodness. I can't even get a blog post out. Like... <laughs> There are days that go by I don't write on my website for like weeks at a time. Um, but I want to talk about, uh, let's start with your most recent book, because that's the one I kind of, um, I started reading. And I have to admit, I haven't finished it yet. But I started reading it. And I want to talk about um, how not to hate your husband after kids. Um, please tell us how we can not do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of it's kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, I, I have one daughter, uh, you have one daughter and you think how much, you know, of course your life changes profoundly. Mm -hmm. And I thought I married an evolved guy. I mean, that's who this book is for. It's not, if, if you're having more serious problems, this isn't maybe the book for you, mm -hmm. but if it's, if you married an evolved guy and then suddenly you have a baby and your life reverts back to the fifties inside your home, which is kind of what happened with us. It's just, it's just baffling. And so, yeah, I ended up doing I ended up doing almost all the childcare and housework. And my husband Tom would say, "Well, you're the expert." But I, you know what it's like when you have a baby, you you don't know what the hell you're doing. And right. I, I didn't feel like the expert at all, and I was hoping we could both learn together. So, how not to I mean, I can tell you a couple in it, now that I've had a, a little a little bit of distance, I can I can sum up kind of the best things that I learned, if you like. I yeah. mean, you know, um, one is that I really expected my my husband to to read my mind. This this happened mm -hmm. to me time and time again and to a lot of people that I know. You think that he's going to jump in, you know, in straight couples and sort of jump in and intuitively help out. And it just wasn't the case. Whereas, and I don't mean to ennoble women all the time, but when I'm on the playground with a bunch of my women friends, if my child runs towards me crying because she fell, one of my friends has a Band-Aid out, another has a lollipop, another has a Kleenex. Like, it's just it's just intuitive. Mm -hmm. And with, with Tom and a lot of other husbands, it just sometimes is not maybe as intuitive. And there's this Ohio State study of couples. Before they had a baby, they had planned on splitting everything 50-50. Six months later, they checked in with the couples, and the woman had picked up 37 extra hours of work. And that's a lot. That's a lot. And that's kind of what was happening with me. So number one, he cannot read your mind. So I would, I would make dinner and I would fume at him and bang the pots and pans mm -hmm. when it would have been easier to just tell him clearly like a grown up what I wanted. You know, I'm so glad <laughs> to hear you say that um, because <laughs> there is that's one frustration that I have when talking to my friends who are married and who are always venting about their husbands. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we assume too much. We assume that they know what to do. And they're like, well, I tell him to take out the trash five times and he doesn't do it. And I'm like, okay, but did you say it with your words and like out loud or was it in your mind? And you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, we we do assume that they get it. We're different people. Men and women obviously are very, very different creatures. We assume mm -hmm. that they should just know automatically how to be great dads, great lovers, great, um, you know, hunter gatherers, you know, all that stuff. We assume that they know how to do all of that stuff. And then we get mad if they assume that we know how to do all of that stuff, be a great mom, be, you know, a homemaker and all of that. 
So there's a lot of assumptions happening on both sides, I think. But men, yes. men need to be told very clearly <laughs> what, <laughs> what to do and not, and not in a, um, derogatory, you know, like, I don't know. There's a fine yes. line between like bossing them around and mm-hmm. communicating. Um, and well, I no wanna... one likes to be controlled, right? you know? Right. So I want to talk about that too. Like, did you find in through your experiences, was there a difference? Um, were you telling him what to do and, and was he resisting or did you have to kind of find your own voice there? Well, you know, I would, you're right about, okay. And going back to even the venting, because that can be, that can be like a f- kind of fun thing to do. You're blowing off steam, but that's why I wrote the book. Cause I wanted to get beyond the venting because mm-hmm. it can be, you know, it can be a trap and you, you do have to figure out, well, what am I going to do about it? And so, yeah, I had talked to sociologists. I talked to so many different people for this book. Um, neuroscientists. I talked to an FBI, um, the head, the former head of the crisis negotiation unit for the FBI on how to calm down an agitated individual. I thought it would be good for fighting techniques. Sure, sure. I talked to counselors and sociologists and they said, you know, the sociologists said to me, men assume you're going to be direct with them. You know, I, again, I don't want to get too Mars Venus, you know, right, but, but right. there are some characteristics and, and so they expect you to be direct. And I was not being direct. Mm-hmm. I was, I was waiting for him to jump in. And when he didn't, I would get mad and, and that isn't right. And when I was more direct with him, it, it, it really did work better. And I, I talked to, um, you know, the five love languages, Dr. Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked to him as well. And he said, you know, request rather than demand. It really is about tone. And I said, I don't, I don't want to have to request. I don't want to have to be the manager. And he said, no one likes to be controlled, which is why I was quoting him before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, so I changed my tone a little bit and I did, you know, sometimes he wouldn't respond right away. And this is another thing too, is that when you start digging I'm giving you the longest answer in the world, Heather. No, I'm sorry, but this is a point. topic I'm passionate about. But it's a goal. I mean, that's a we. That's the luxury of having a podcast. There's no. We don't have to, you know, <laughs> wrap it up in 30 seconds. You know, so okay. <laughs> yeah, and get the music playing. Yeah, right, you're gonna get played off the stage. <laughs> no, no, that's the beauty of the podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Well, then, you know, I mean, another thing is that okay. So when when I would be direct with him and. Oh, I had something, I had a thought and it just flew out of my head. Does that happen to you <laughs> yes, a lot? A lot. <laughs> okay. So yes, then he would respond. And if I had to ask him a couple of different times, I still, I did this equation where I would think, would I, what is the emotional cost to me? If I keep asking him and, and what do what therapists say is staying on your own side and saying like, could you help me? Could you help me? And or do I sit and fume? Well, sitting and fuming was giving me like a really bad stress response. And so I'd rather ask both, both alternatives are not great, but I'd rather kind of keep on asking in a polite way. I mean, and and again, going back to tone, Mm -hmm. there was another study, um, and it was Georgia state researchers, and they found that just using the words, the phrase, thank you, was a significant predictor of marital happiness. So mm-hmm. even using manners, saying please and thank you, I, I realized that my tone was kind of going out the window. And the more calm and grown up I was, instead of yelling or swearing at him or calling him, I'm from New Jersey, so I use variations of the word dick. Um, is it okay that I say that oh, on yeah. a podcast, right? Yeah, that's totally um, 
dickhead, you know, bag of dicks. <laughs> what is a bag of dicks? Like, and why would I, you know, that, that really wasn't working and, and venting and, and yelling is sort of short term gain because you blow off steam, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a long term kind of loser, isn't it? So mm-hmm. we <clears throat> kind of learned how to talk to each other again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another, another thing that really helped me and it's, it also kind of makes me sad when I think about it is, okay, I, in, in our dynamic was that I would get upset and he would kind of retreat. He would sort of turn gray and retreat because he doesn't like to fight. And I was more the one sort of changing the status quo. So I was the one getting more upset. And I, I, I just feel like, okay, we, we, oh my God, Heather, I lost my thought again. <laughs> what is going on okay. with me? Well, it's okay. I, um, here's, here's what I think, especially when you, I hear you say something like, you know, be polite and, and mm-hmm. what, all, what I always think about is I married my husband because he was my friend and he was somebody mm. I loved to be around and we had fun together. So yes. I always want to treat him as that person who I'm still kind to and nice to and that's not to say we don't have fights or we don't you know get in our uh, get in tiffs or arguments or disagreements or whatever but Mm -hmm. ultimately I don't ever want to hurt him and I know that in his heart he never wants to hurt me either so when you name call and when you, um, you know, even in the heat of the battle, you know, even in the heat of an argument or whatever, when there's name calling and stuff like that, there should also be forgiveness on the other side. And, um, I don't know. I just always try to keep in mind that this is my best friend and somebody who I love and respect a lot. And I know that he loves and respects me. So we don't, we try not to engage in those types of arguments and behaviors with each other. We're not perfect, but right. it happens, you know, sometimes. And, but ultimately, like, I just try to keep that in the back of my mind. Like he's my friend and I don't want to be mean to him. I wouldn't be mean or disrespectful to my best girlfriends. I wouldn't call them names and expect them to still want to hang out with me. So why do we do that to our spouses, the the father of our children, you know? Exactly. Someone you liked enough to have them impregnate you in the right, first place. Right. right? Exactly. And- you're right. And friendship is a very good point. This is, this is someone that you love, you know, and, and a couple of different therapists gave me ideas for ways that you can remind yourself of that. One is that when you hash things out to hold hands and just feeling my husband's hand, just the familiar contours of his hand would calm me down. And it's also hard to yell at someone when you're a foot away from them, Mm -hmm. you know? And, but again, you know, we went to this other therapist. Um, you might not have gotten this far in the book. Did you get to the guy from Boston who no. who gets upset with you for eight hundred dollars an hour? No, what? Heather, it's crazy. Listen to this. <laughs> you know, I write for uh, o- I write for O the Oprah magazine, and there's this notorious guy from Boston. You go to Boston, and he he yells at you. He gets really mad at you, and he takes sides even, and he's very controversial. But we thought, well, we'll try it. We'll go for a weekend intensive, and. I mean, he, he was, he was kind of brutal to both of us. And he was saying the same thing. He said, from when you walk out of here, you, from now on your interactions will never drop below the level of simple respect. That'll be your benchmark. Treat each other with respect. And I thought, well, that's easy. Mm -hmm. But we had gotten into this kind of default thing where we were not treating each other with respect and we had to relearn how to do it when it should, it, you know, 
we are the grownups in this equation, right? right and we, right. we, that, so that was our benchmark and it took a, it took a while for us to, to do that. But, but now we do. And then once you treat each other with respect, it becomes weird when you don't, it's like a loud noise in a library and everyone turns around. Like it, it just becomes upsetting. Oh, and another thing, my thought just came back to me, Heather, it, it flew back into <laughs> oh, my good. head. What was I that knew like? it would <laughs> four minutes, five minutes, mm-hmm. but it was one motivation that worked for us. And I, I kind of feel a little sad thinking about it was we realized that we were changing our daughter's personality because we tried not to fight in front of her, but inevitably we did. We live in a small Brooklyn apartment and there's not many secrets here. And even when you're behind closed doors, we have kind of these cheap doors. So she could probably hear us. And, you know, several uh, child psychologists said that babies as young as six months respond in a stressful way to their parents' argumentative voices. And if you think that you're just containing it to each other, because we would do the classic thing too, where we were curt with each other if we had fought the night before, but we were sweet to her. Kids aren't stupid. And we weren't being respectful of her even. And I realized she was becoming a little watchful, a little quieter, our formerly very exuberant child. And, And that both got our that got both of our attention like oh we're changing her personality we have got to get it together but now that i look back on it going by what you said earlier like that's kind of a sad motivation isn't it not that our our marriage was eroding but uh oh we're going to ruin our child and that's that's sad to me now when i think about it now yeah. that we're back on track yeah. you know and so well, not to bring everybody down. No, and I don't think that brings. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that we um, we're all still evolving and learning. We're learning our, about ourselves as people. Like I'm not the same person I was five, six years ago when my daughter was born. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a different person, you know, six years from now, I'm sure. And I think that we have to cut ourselves and our our spouses and our partners a little bit of slack because they are also evolving. They are also learning and figuring things out. And we just have to be a little more patient and forgiving with each other. And remember that this is somebody we loved and we fell in love with in the first place. Um, Naturally as human beings, especially as women, we are, we are, I don't want to say emotional because that people might be like, Oh my God, we're not emotional, but (laughs) we are, (laughs) we are emotional, you know, creatures and we are reactive. Um, and men are very stoic in general. So Mm -hmm. we just have to be, um, just be patient and a little more, I don't know, say forgiving. Obviously this doesn't apply in certain situations. If people are being like, physically abused or anything like that like that's a completely different um a whole different a whole different topic so um i want to switch gears a little bit though before we run out of time because i want to talk about some of your other books um (laughs) six books is a tremendous amount and uh i like i said i can barely write a blog post so i would love to talk about (laughs) you're kind of busy yeah a little busy I would love to talk about, first of all, why you started writing in the first place. What was the impetus there? Um, have you always wanted to be a writer and was, or was parenting something that kind of sparked that in you? No, you know what? I, even when I was around six or seven, when I found out that you could actually do that as a living, as a job, I always yeah. wanted to be a writer mm-hmm. and I, I wanted to write children's books and then when I was a teenager, I wanted to write for a people magazine. That was my big ambition. And, and, and that is throughout my life. I just, 
couldn't imagine anything more fun than doing that. And I really am happiest when I'm at my computer wearing my joggers that I never jog in and my <laughs> sweatshirt and, and, and writing away. To me, that's just heaven. Mm, so yes, I that's that. what I always wanted to do. Is there any particular type of book that you're drawn to? Um, to write? Yeah. Uh, or, would, or subject? Know, let's see. I have really done, you know, in, in book publishing, you have to have a lot of, well, you're a journalist also, you know, that you have to have a lot of pots on the stove. So I've done so many different things and I did a kid's book. A kid's book's very interesting because it's only about 500. I did a picture book and it's for uh, kindergartners and first graders. And every word has to be both kind of, has to be clear for a child to understand. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we absolutely poured over every word and it had to be fanciful too, but there's all sorts of interesting things about writing a kid's book. And also publishers, I, I don't know if you know this, but they, they like to, um, often they like to keep the author and the illustrator separate. If, if someone else is doing the art for your book, mm-hmm. isn't that funny? So I never talked to my illustrator huh. and, I know, and it's. I think it's maybe because I don't know. Maybe it's neurotic authors meddling or something, or sure. that they both should have separate visions. We eventually, you know, um, we Facebook friended each other because we said, "Oh, I'd like to get to know you," you know, and um, and they even scrutinized the title because originally it was, it was about a a teddy bear who misbehaves, and it was called. I'm afraid your Teddy has been naughty today. But then someone in the marketing department looked up Teddy and naughty. And bad stuff came up when you Google uh, oh, it. Sure. Does that make you sad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I had to change it to, I'm afraid your teddy is in trouble today. So there's all these things you have to think about oh, and yeah. the art and, you know, being diverse. And um, so that was neat. And then I did um, Cindy Lauper's autobiography with her. Are you a, a fan of hers? Yeah, she's amazing. She was so much fun. And every day I would go, she has an apartment in New York and I live in Brooklyn and I would go to, she would say, Chance, I mean, you can't help but imitate her, yeah, right? When you've yeah. been around her, Chance, wear wear your sweats, and we'll go for a walk and talk in Central Park. And I was oh, supposed to bring my tape recorder every day. We never went for a walk and talk. She would say, "Oh, forget it." We'd sit in her kitchen, which looks exactly like the set of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. We'd pick it like an Entenmann's coffee cake, and we'd we'd sit there. So my workout clothes stayed pristine for the year that I was interviewing her, and she's so nice and the real deal. I just did um. Karamo, Karamo Brown. He's yeah. um, in Queer Eye. Yeah. I did his autobiography. Oh, he's so great. And, oh, he, that was so super fun. And he is, he practices active listening, which is something that I also talk about in How Not to Hate Your Husband. So when he's talking to you, he's a former social worker. He's holding your hand. He's saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, go on. Yes, and, mm-hmm, yeah. And he's looking at you and he's so handsome. And it, it was just, it was very overwhelming. Um, but he's, he's lovely. And he really does text you and say things like, hey, um, I, your meeting was at four o'clock, right? How did it go? I was sending you good vibes. I'm like, are you for real? He really is for real. So and sweet. I did, um, I did a memoir because I used to be a rock chick at Rolling Stone magazine for many years. And I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I guess your typical r- rock chick. I was inside. I, I like to bake and stay at home with my cat and stuff. And so I'm not really that rockin'. 
but I tried for many years to be rockin'. And that was fun because I interviewed a, a lot of different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. As you do. I'm sure you have good stories. Yes. We could tell some stories, right? <laughs> Both of us, I bet. Yeah. We could we could swap stories. I've, I've interviewed, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah, I've interviewed one or two musicians and like rock star type people. Mm-hmm. So were they on drugs? This, were this they lucid? Mom, no, they were just awesome like you know okay. like i consider lisa loeb to be kind of a rock chick she's been on my Ooh. show oh um, uh did you ever do you remember the 90s band soul coughing um of course mike doty was on my show and he was amazing it was one of my one of my favorite uh guests to interview because my husband got to help me with the interview so because <gasps> uh, he's a big fan so yeah. Oh, cool. So I've had, I got a little rock cred. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> um. Anyway, so you were talking about Cindy Lauper, and you were oh. talking about the types of books and interviews and things that you do with her. Um. And you do your. It sounds like you have sort of a varied interest, but maybe lately parenting is kind of pulling you in for things that you like to write. Well, I'm I'm in it definitely, you know, mm-hmm. and so um. So there's just, I think the landscape of parenting is changing by the day, don't mm-hmm. you? And there's yeah. there's a lot going on and a lot to keep up with. So um, so yeah, I I do um, I write about nutrition sometimes, and um, although I have a, a a sugar habit that I'll just never be able to kick. Oh, I've even I thought know. about being hypnotized for it. I I eat dessert all the time. I just love sugar. <laughs> and, um, so I'm not maybe the best representative, but you know, I try. So yes, all, all kinds of different things. So and, you um, have a sweet tooth then. that's funny, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what's next. I don't know what book to write next. And I'm sort of out there figuring it out. Do I don't you, know. Do if... you sort of just, um, find inspiration in like day-to-day life or, or is it something somebody comes to you and says, Hey, we'd like for you to write this book kind of thing uh it's most the impetus is mostly on me so you know like like with with the husband book I just started paying attention to what people were really talking about and what they couldn't seem Mm -hmm. to solve Mm -hmm. and I've been yeah I've been kind of looking around and I wonder if there's something to be I mean you've written about this I mean you've um you've done a podcast about this about money conversations and Mm -hmm. how difficult they are. Yeah. And I wonder if there's something about that. It's funny. I had, I mean, this is just a small incident, but somehow it can spark something big. Right. But I remember a bunch of my mom friends said, Oh, do you want to meet for brunch? And I remember I was going through financial difficulties. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's up and it's down with publishing. Right. And I said, I was thinking, God, brunch um, tip. I don't, I, I don't know if I can. And I wrote back and said, you know what? I don't, I don't think I can. I'm just, I'm just not doing too great with money right now. And one by one, all of my friends wrote, neither am I. Oh, good. Okay. You know what? Let, let's not do this. Let's just meet in the park for coffee. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we all just brought a little, you know, takeaway of coffee. And I thought, well, why were we all going through this pantomime if we don't have any money? And I, you know, I, there might be something in the financial realm i think also too it's just an easy thing to do like let's just brunch or whatever and nobody you know people don't actively think about it but money is something my husband and i talk about every day and on that episode of my podcast um my guest was talking about how it's one of the number one driving causes of divorce Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a major factor and uh in relationships for sure we never have enough 
And and when you when you talk about it, it does make you anxious because it's like you're hardwired for survival and it's about mm-hmm. money. And then when a child is in the equation, really, you talk about money every day mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in some form, right? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. So do we. So do we. It's just constant. And, you know, then you have then you have social media where you feel like you have to put up a good front. But I, I don't know. I don't know. So there could be something there or maybe something on the sandwich generation because I am sort of taking care of my parents and a child at the same time. I don't know. Yeah. That might be something also. It sounds like you have some good ideas there already. <laughs> um, will you will you make sure that you let me know whenever you've got the next one cooking and when it's coming out and we'll have you back on the show to talk about it. Oh, yes, absolutely. That Thank you. That would be you. amazing. Um, all right, well, you guys, I'm going to put up information about Jancy's books and in particular her latest book, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids, um, which is very funny and very insightful. And also just read it with an open mind and embrace it. That's all That's all I want to say. Um, Jancy, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. It was a thrill to be on your podcast, which I regularly listen to. Oh, yay. I'm so yay. I have one (laughs) listener, at least one, you guys. (laughs) Yes. Nailing it. Uh, (laughs) Thanks so much. All right, you guys, that's going to do it for me. Have a wonderful week. And remember, I'm not a perfect mom, but I can play one on TV. Bye. Mama funny. Balls.